The rest of you, if you'd open your Bibles with me today. We're going to start out in Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 2. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For it is for by it the elders obtained a good report. I want to just kind of focus on that last part. Uh, say it with me tonight, uh, if you could just kind of help me out here. A good report. That's kind of what I want to focus on for this. Uh, my title tonight is How Legends Are Made. Uh, Brother Plale, if you could pray for this service. Amen. You may be seated tonight. All right. So uh, in the year 2020, as we all know, we see the signs. Uh, pastors talked about it. It's a year of growing. Uh, it's time to grow, as Pastor said. We've had Bible studies about it. It's, it's something that means a lot to just the church in general. If we're not growing, there's no point. Amen. Um, but as I was thinking about it, I was praying, trying to figure out what I wanted to say tonight. Um, Kind of just woke up in the middle of the night with this on my heart, so here it goes. Uh, I've talked about this on several occasions or on this kind of point um, that I hold people in the Bible to the highest esteem in my life. Not to uh, worship the creation, you worship the creator, obviously, but I look at them for examples. I look at them for ways in which I can improve myself, and seeing as this is the year of growth, I wanted to take kind of a closer look today. Um... All the things that these men did, these crazy, unbelievable things, just completely boggle my mind. There's a lot of stuff that I don't understand just because I can't put myself quite in those shoes. But in Hebrews, uh, when he talks about the elders getting that good report, he goes down the rest of that chapter and brings up Isaac, Abraham, Jacob, um, all these incredible men that did incredible things. Every time he says, by faith, this man did this over and over again throughout the verse. Paul is using them thousands of years later in, well, I say Paul technically. We don't fully know who wrote Hebrews, but it was likely to be Paul. Just want to throw that out there. But um, he used all these men as references to faith and how to grow and how to do the right thing in his time. This was thousands of years later, a massive separation of time. Um, and so I'd like, to, I'd like to use a couple of them tonight. So let's start with Daniel. Um, I'm not going to go through the entire reading, the entire story, because it's quite lengthy and I've got a couple points to make. Uh, but Daniel chapter 6 describes a scenario in which three of the king's princes or advisors convinced King Darius at the time to sign a decree saying that no one should pray to anybody but him. And that if anybody did, they would be thrown into a lion's den. And as we read Daniel 6 verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed... He went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. And as we know, he did this. He kept up his prayer life, amen, and was thrown into the lion's den. Now, we know the end of this story. It, he was not harmed. The angels closed the lion's mouths, and he came out just fine. And that's not the biggest part that made it legendary to me. It was the fact that regardless of the situation, he continued to pray, to serve, God, to serve God as he always had, openly and without shame. 
The Bible says not to be ashamed of this gospel that we have. Daniel looked straight out his window and prayed through fear of death without any shame or fear. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Three men that were told if they did not bow to the king, they would be thrown into a fiery furnace and killed. Daniel 3, 16, 17, and 18 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Now, when they were put up against this wall, it wasn't some kind of back closet where it was like, oh, I guess, I guess maybe I shouldn't. A sea of people and three men stood up in the middle of it for no good reason to anybody else. Nobody else could possibly imagine why on earth somebody would so blatantly disregard the king's orders. But it was something that was so burning in their heart, they just couldn't help it. And I love the last part of Daniel 3, verse 16. It says, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Oh, you could preach on that for a while. Daniel 3, verse 17 says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, verse 18 says, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So kind of one of my favorite verses in the Bible is that last part that just says, but if not, they know that God can. They have all faith that God can deliver them out of any situation, but if not, knowing that I'm not the center of this universe, just know that this is where I stand and nothing you can threaten or say will change my stance. It's such a powerful thing and it makes it so legendary to me in the Bible. What about David? I'm not going to bring up specific things. There's just too many to count with David, but probably the most notable is David and Goliath, right? David comes up against a giant. Um, some people say he was like nine, ten feet tall. David was probably in the neighborhood of five and a half feet. You know, he's a teenager, scrawny little kid. So, I mean, the odds aren't exactly in his favor. And as the giant's yelling at him, you come at me with a stick. He's mocking this little kid who just walked up to him with, yeah, a shepherd's stick and a bag full of rocks. Like, I mean, if there was ever a time. But David replied, All righty. But David replied in a way that was just so wonderful to me. He, he tells Goliath that, yeah, I get what you have, but you got to understand what I've got behind me. You don't, you don't have what I have. Yeah, you have a sword. You have a shield. You're almost double my height. There is every reason why you should win this fight, but I come in the name of God. You have no idea what you're about to come against, Goliath. You think it's just a stick. You think it's just a bag of stones, but there is so much more behind this little kid. You have no idea what you're in for. I love that story. It's so legendary. Uh, what about Gideon? Another one of my absolute favorites. Um, he was basically just given this task. The uh, Mennonites were, or Midianites, not Mennonites, uh, were come up against the Israelites. They were just horrifyingly against the Israelites for a long period of time. And Gideon was found sifting wheat behind a barrel, basically. He, uh, he was hiding. And God picked him out and said, all right, you're going to drive them out of this land. And if you know the story, I'm just going to kind of go through it quickly. Um, he is given test after test, and his army of kind of 
not great men, but, you know, there was at least some got whittled down and whittled down and whittled down till there was just a handful of men with some lamps and trumpets. And he said, all right, now go drive the army out of the land. And they march or they run down this hill and the entire army just starts basically killing each other and running off. They just get terrified because of a... Uh, a dream that their leader had had the night before of Gideon coming and sweeping over their land. They had no idea what to expect. All they knew is they were scared, and then all of a sudden, a bunch of guys started running at them for no reason. And God did an amazing work with a man that was hiding. Paul and Silas, or just Paul in general, you know, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Amazing human being. Um, but the kind of story that I latch on to a lot is when they're in prison together, and they're bound, shackled, it's late, it's horrible. They got put in prison because they just wanted to tell people how good Jesus was. And as they're sitting there in the prison, they start to sing praises in a situation that I don't know if I would. I, I'd like to just tell you that, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely start singing praises in that situation. I can't promise you that I would. It's so amazing to me. And as they began to sing praises, the chains began to break off of them, and they were set free in a way that was completely miraculous. And last but not least, Samson, one of my favorite biblical characters. Uh, he, he had a lot of issues, but uh, in the book of Judges, it tells us about this, this guy that had superhuman strength. It was given to him from an, uh, a vow that his mother placed upon him. He didn't cut his hair, touch unclean things. Um, then he would maintain his strength when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now at the end of his road, he had fallen. He had given away the secret to his strength. He had let uh, the enemy take it away from him. He had his eyes gouged out. He was put against two pillars and mocked in front of a sea of Philistines. There are a lot of ways a day can go real bad. That's about as bad as it can get. But as he's standing there, chained against two pillars in a room filled with his enemy, he realizes his situation. He understands where he messed up. He begins to pray. He begins to seek God one more time. And he doesn't say, God, get me out of this. God, take me away right now. He says, oh, if you would just give me your spirit one more time. If you would just come over me like you used to, God. I know I can push these pillars out of the way. I know I don't have to be bound to this situation. I Man. And he pushes the pillars down and dies with his enemy. The Bible says he killed more then than he did the rest of the time that he was alive. And here we are. It's a few thousand years later, still preaching on things that happened to these men. But these men didn't do these things so that they could become legendary in our eyes. They didn't perform these amazing legendary things so that it would be written about and they could become infamous for eternity. They did these things because they wanted to be legendary to one being. The Bible says one day we will come face to face with our God, and our names will either be or not be written in the Lamb's book of life. If they're not, we don't get to go to heaven. But if they are, if we were written about by our God, think about that 
for a second. If God pens down my name in this book, if he looks down and says, I knew you, I remember when you were there, then I get to go. I get to be with him forever. He gets to open the pearly gates to me, and I get to praise his name for all eternity. You can't tell me that's not legendary. You can't tell me that's not something worth praising for. This is something worth my life, everything I have to give, because I want to be legendary to him. Amen? I don't care if nobody knows my name in 10 years. I don't care if everybody forgets my face, but if at the end of my line, my name is written down in that book, it was all worth it. Every second, it was so unbelievably worth it. And admittedly, we more than likely are not going to be put in these exact situations. Hopefully, you're not going to go pray and open up your window and somebody's like, all right, well, we're going to toss you into the zoo with the lions. That would be horrifying, all right? But that being said, if the devil could get you to calm down your prayer life for a moment, if he could get you to fear, if he could get you to be ashamed of your prayer life, he will have a hold on you that you could not possibly escape alone. You have no idea what your prayer life can conquer. The Bible says the righteous, ferv- or the prayer of a uh, fervent righteous prayer of a, uh, thank you, of a righteous man availeth much. Your prayer has so much power behind it. Amen. And no, we won't ever be thrown hopefully into a fiery furnace because we stood up and said, I believe in Jesus when everybody else said that it was ridiculous and wrong. That's probably not going to happen. But if you can go out into the world in a world corrupt, a world wanting to worship anything they can throw their hat in, to throw their crown on any king that they can find, if I stand up and boldly say, I'm going to serve the king of all kings today, I am not afraid to say that. You will find a place in your walk with God that will just change your entire life. It's about growth today, amen? And I'm never, I'm probably never going to face an actual giant. It probably won't happen, but there are going to be things that come against me when I try to grow that are going to seem monumental, things that I don't feel like I can handle. But if God is on my side, if I can get a little bit closer, then there is nothing that can stand between me and him, amen? And I probably won't ever be in prison because I stood up here and preached to you, but There are going to be times when I'm trying to grow where I feel bound, where I feel held down by all these things in the world. And if I can just remember in those dark times when I have no other way out, if I could just start praising God, if I could just give him a little bit more than my agony, a little bit more than my begging, and start praising him for the wonderful God that he is, suddenly chains will start falling off. Suddenly, chains will start falling off of me and my family. I don't have to live that way anymore because when I get down, I give him everything I've got. Amen. And last but not least, Samson, I am probably never going to be in a situation where one person looks at me, says, I need what you have. I'm going to throw you here, and somebody's going to gouge out my eyes and chain me up. But... There are going to be times when I am at the end of my rope, 
when I have fallen flat on my face and I'm begging God to forgive me. But if in those times I can just remember to say, God, if you just let your spirit come over me one more time, I don't have to stay in this place that I'm in. God, if you just let me have what I had before one more time, I know I can make it out of this thing. Amen? So I just want to encourage somebody tonight, the, the struggle, the trial, all the pain that comes with growth, uh, the, the things that try to keep you from moving forward, this horrible struggle that it can be, it's not supposed to be easy. The best rewards don't come for free, amen? But at the end of your trial, your struggle, it's, it's going to be so worth it. Your struggle is not a bad thing. The choices that I make define what happens, amen? The choices that I make are how legends are made. Hallelujah, everybody. Anybody want to praise him in the storm, amen? Praise him when those times there is no light. God, I will praise you in my valleys the same way I will worship you on my mountaintops. Anybody with me tonight? This is a year of change, amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hosea 10 and 12 says, So to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Opportunity is all around us. Daily, we are given situations and opportunities for change. How many people in 2020 don't want to sit idle anymore while opportunities pass us by? So for a few minutes, I just want to talk to you on the thought, God's ready. Are you our opening verse is all about opportunity, sowing in righteousness, reaping mercy, break up that non-fertile ground, seek the Lord, and let the God Almighty rain out righteousness in your life. I don't know about you, but I am tired of missing out on God's opportunities that he puts in my path, and I want to be ready, amen? Just like the brother talked about, God chose people like David, Job, Daniel, Noah. The list goes on and on, and he placed opportunity in their life. He placed stories in our Bible that we can use to mentor our walk with God and see how they overcame or adapted to their situation. But I can tell you tonight that those great opportunities, those arcs and those Goliaths, those opportunities did not die with those men, all right? God forbid me as a born-again believer not be ready when somebody is looking for change, when somebody encounters my life and my walk and they want to experience something real and miss out on an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Amen? Second Timothy 4 and 2 says to preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. That means let's be ready. Amen. Hallelujah. So what can we do to be ready? Brother Joseph talked about prayer 
And I want to read from Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 10, and I will read quick through it. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as these hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward." But though when thou prayest, enter into the closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when he pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they shall be heard from their much speakings, their great words. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before you even ask him. Amen? After this manner, therefore, pray ye, O our, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Amen. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I'm sure you can grasp what that means, but if you want to start to grow, if you want to be ready, it's time to start praying like we mean it. It's time to start praying from our hearts. It's time to start believing that those words that we are speaking to the God Almighty is really come to pass. That person that you have prayed for time and time again their time is now amen hallelujah when people are desperate when people need help they want to confide in somebody that knows how to pray amen you want your faith to increase start believing what you pray amen because prayer is that gateway is that that one-on-one -on -one connection that we have with the God Almighty, and we need to stay prayed up. So what else can we do? I'm talking about growth, being ready to spread the message and being ready for opportunity. Can you put up 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, please? All Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, and I love this last part, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So that tells me, when I make up my mind, it's time to get serious. It's time to dive into the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 16 says, you want to know what to do to grow? It's all about the inspired word of God. 17 tells me that the word of God allows me to be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That means the word of God in my life will allow me to be ready to pass on all those good works when those opportunities are placed in front of me. Can you put up Hebrews 4 and 12, please? For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents 
of the heart. Psalms 119 and 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Will I be ready when that opportunity steps in to my path? I will if I indulge my life with the word of God. Amen. You might say, well, I just don't know what to say to people when, when they approach me. I just I don't know what to tell them. Well, I have some advice. You stay prayed up. You stay read up and studied up. God's going to give you those words at that exact time in your life that you call on him. Amen. Hallelujah. So this year, I want to win souls. I don't want to be content with what I've been doing, and I am ready to step it up. Amen. Matthew 9, 37 through 38, please. Then saith unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. Amen. I'm telling you tonight, there are people out there that are just waiting. They are just praying for somebody to not be content with where they are and be willing to step forth and reap the harvest that God has placed right in front of us. Hallelujah. It is time to pray like we've never done before, to dive into the Word of God like we have never done before. The devil would love nothing more than for you to stay where you are and be happy with where you are. It's very obvious because the devil knows that each and every one of us are a threat to his indefinite plan. If I can just keep him content with coming to church and going through the motions, then guess what? He might not reach that, that man at work. If I can just keep him content and happy with just, you know, reading the daily verses while we're in church or praying while we're at church and never utilizing those gifts at home, then guess what? He might not reach that sister that, that I know what she has in store for that church. Amen. I might be the only one that can reach that certain individual. You might be the only one that can reach that certain individual. And it's time for us to get those chains off of us. It's time for us to step up and say, God, I'm here. I am ready to work. Let me be a part of your harvest. Amen. Hallelujah. Because what happens is when we stay content, not only is that hindering my walk with God, that's not, that's, that's not only hindering how I'm you know, progressing in my walk with God, but that means that soul that I don't talk to, that person that I walked right by very well may die lost. I don't want to be content tonight. In the beginning of John chapter 6, Jesus is surrounded by roughly about 5,000 men, and he wants to feed them. Now, many of us know this story. We know how it goes. But I, I read this story recently, and it stuck out to me as an opportunity. Jesus could have very well just pulled 
food right out of thin air if he chose to. But he didn't. Amen. Because our God is a God of opportunity. In John 6 and 9, the disciples come back to Jesus and they say, For there is a lad here which have five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they to so many? See, God is a God of timing, of opportunity. And that lad that they refer to was there at the right place, and he was ready. He didn't know what was going to happen that morning when he woke up. But when, when Jesus has a plan, when Jesus has an opportunity to show something to somebody, he'll use whoever is ready. Amen? <clears throat> something so small as five barley loaves and two fishes turned into something truly amazing, and it was all because somebody was there and they were ready. 2020, time to grow, time to change, amen. I love these signs. Hallelujah. Can you put up 1 Peter 3 and 15, please? But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that seeketh you a reason of hope. <laughs> Hallelujah. Acts 1 and 8 says, when we are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, we shall be witnesses. Matthew 28, 19 says, go and teach unto all nations. Isaiah 43 and 10 says, ye are my witnesses. Proverbs 14 and 25 says, a true witness delivereth souls. Amen. The time is now, church. It's not time to let another day pass of missed opportunity. God, let me change the priorities in my life for the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. We will not let this harvest pass by. Lord, I will labor. Lord, I will make myself available. Lord, I will set those things aside in my life that are holding me back from stepping forward and growing and winning souls. Hallelujah. God, let me just to put everything aside and just have a breakthrough in my life and stop waiting. I will start to pray like I mean it, like I've never done before. I will dive into your word like I have never done before. I will study it, and I will be a vessel. I will be that conduit for that opportunity that passes in front of me. I will get out of my box, and I will get away from what is comfortable. Amen? Pastor Herring, I am 100% with you. It is time to grow, and it is time to change, and there are men and women in this church that can be those tools that are needed. God is ready today. The question is, are you? Amen.